I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to The Growth Fall. Hey, my friends. Welcome back to The Growth Fall Podcast. How the heck are you? If you are like me, you are boiling in the wretched heat the heat wave that has overtaken Michigan. Now, for all of you people in Texas and Arizona, like our guest today, Mr. Ryan Naylor, you're not gonna probably, I'm not gonna get much compassion from them because we're peaking out around 87, 88 degrees. But if you adjust for like inflation or in, adjust for Michigan uh, weather, that's like 2000 degrees to us. And I'm dying up here, but I am excited to hang out with uh, Ryan Naylor. He's a serial entrepreneur. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm, I want to talk to him is he specifically helps service-based businesses. He had a digital marketing agency for many years. So he's an expert in that regard. And now he's probably because he's a crazy maniac, he's gotten into software as well. And he has a really, really, really cool software product um, regarding hiring and recruiting and things like that. And I think we'll have a really fun conversation. Ryan, how the heck are you? Oh, so good. I love the intro. Love the heat commentary. You know, in Arizona, we're, we'll probably be 116, 118 this weekend, and it is absolutely just gut-wrenching too hot. But here's the thing is we say that to anyone else on the East Coast. They go, that's ah, a dry heat, though. And it doesn't really oh, count. That's what I was going to ask. Does that just infuriate people? Oh, <laughs> there's probably more bumper stickers that say that than for any politician. They, you know, <laughs> more bumper stickers say, but it's a dry heat, you know, mocking the, uh, the humidity. Right snobs out there but listen hot is hot and we we embrace it and keep going forward but it's a good time yeah arizona is tough i mean it's nice in the off season i have a lot of friends there my friend kurt kempton lives there i don't know if you know kurt uh and we have some other relationships there but man it's it's a different level for me now i did live in costa rica for a couple of years and it was like 95 degrees every day and it was brutal but your body adapts to it but then yep. since we moved back to Michigan, now I'm a total snowflake again, and I, it's just killing me to be at 88 degrees. So, man, anyway, so tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial story. I know you have a family, you're passionate about family, but you're also trying to drive revenue and build businesses, and I'm sure it was really, really easy, and you never had any pain and suffering, but give us, a, <laughs> give us some background. You bet. Yeah, so I graduated back in 2008 during the uh, the last collapse of the economy, and you know, with an entrepreneurship degree, I realized there was nobody that was going to hire me. I had no work experience. Uh, my degree was not, you know, specifically tailored to any one industry. It was, it was very broad, generic on how to grow a business or how to take a business to the next level. And really, my only option was to start a business. And so I started out by coaching and teaching at the Phoenix Library System. On Wednesday nights, I'd go to different libraries around the valley. And I teach free classes. And interestingly enough, my target audience was home service contractors that would come and say, my yellow page ads just aren't effective anymore. Do you have any ideas for me? And it was fascinating to see that was my demographic. That's who showed up to the library. They took advantage of the, of the free classes. And I loved helping them grow their businesses. And the primary movement was how do you get them onto page one of Google? 
And at that time, it was it was actually pretty easy. It was you build a website first, and then you just start putting some keywords on it, and you just make sure the title tags and, and the site structure just looks nice and clean. And you're probably going to rank in the first three results inside Google Search. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean that's changed night and day today. But the the impact of that was I got to to build some really deep and strong relationships in the home service industry. Uh, I've got a lot of family members that are in the trades and I just had a soft spot in my heart for them. But in growing that business and growing and helping hundreds and hundreds of these small business owners grow their businesses, my number one reason for cancellation rate on why they've canceled marketing services down the road for my company was they couldn't keep up with the growth rate. They couldn't hire. And, and, and my, it blew my mind. How can you not hire effectively? And I realized the number one problem that a lot of these home service contractors faced was not leads. It was not sales. It was actually the people problem of their business. And so I built a software to help Arizona's finest attract great people called localwork.com. Built it up, local job board. We added in some live events. We started doing some TV segments with local media partners. And before you knew it, we'd helped over 100,000 people get jobs through our product. And wow, it was extremely fascinating. We saw a huge growth rate, but darn it, those home service contractors were on the lower end of the totem pole again because their professionalism in job posting, I, I wasn't keeping an eye on. What we found is the other industries started coming in and they were scooping up the A player talent over and over again. And it, it, this light bulb clicked and said, you know what? We need a dedicated software to help home service contractors attract and retain the best employees. And so we do that by creating company culture landing pages. We help companies tell their culture story about who they are as a business um, to really compete for better talent. It's, it, it's so much about that intimacy, the emotional connection with a candidate, because we know compensation is going to be pretty much equal across the board. So how can we win with core values and purpose and passion and the right team environment? Hmm. You said a lot of things that are interesting. I mean, we're having a massive problem with employees again because of Corona, because people are getting paid $600 a week to not work because I mean, the economy was on fire before this happened. So a lot of the people that are quote unquote unemployed aren't really unemployed. They're just waiting to go back to work or now they've started to, there's just so much complexity. And on our podcast, I mean, we've talked about this stuff forever and I'm on board with you on, you know, culture and like, you know, perceived value. I I teach on the podcast how recruiting is marketing that, you know, you have your external customers, but your employees are your internal customers and you need to hook them and and pull them in and you got to like massage it a little bit. And it just, it's still, even the companies uh, that are doing some of those things, it's tough right now. I mean, what are you seeing on your end? You know, it's, it's tough. Um, It's hard to attract great people. It's always easy to attract C and D level players. And no one, no one has ever complained about being able to attract C and D level players. It, there's plenty of those, but the A players is a different story. And so you start, you have to kind of peel that onion back and say, what is it that they want? Where are they? What are they doing? Who do they engage with? And you got to think a little bit outside the box on on how to recruit. Well, give give us some examples. I mean, I know the generations today are way more about the 
you know, the why and the mission of the company. And I think for some old timers or people that are more roughneck service business owners, they like roll their eyes at that <laughs> because, you know, yeah. previous generations, it's like you get up, you put your boots on, you go to work. That's what you do. You show up early, you work hard and they're just like mad that things are the way that they are. But the truth is, is things are different. Uh, careers are more transient now. People only stick with companies a few years. They bounce around. The, the mission of a company and core values actually do matter when maybe they didn't in 1946. You know, I don't know. But uh, give us some examples on how to compete, how to outmarket. What are some of the things you would suggest for a, a local home service company? Well, depending on the stage you're at in your business, your, your strategy might, might, might adjust. But you got to remember you know, back 20, 25, 30 years ago, it was a badge of honor to say, I stayed with this company until I retired, came out of college, I climbed the ranks, you know, I got involved with different associations and boards and groups and inside my company, and I stayed there and I retired from there. That's no longer the case. If, you know, millennials see somebody that's like, oh, I've been there for 25 years, they roll their eyes at you. And then you're like, God, what's wrong? Go, go test the waters, my friend. You know, go explore something new. And, and you have to understand that. You have to put yourself in their shoes here and say, what can we do to start being that destinational place where people want to leave where they are to come here? And, you know, you know I have my own podcast as well. I'm recording uh, with a gentleman that owns a pest control company, 100 employees. And he, he said the number one retention mechanism for him has been showing his employees that he loves them, showing the sense of heart and compassion, just asking about how their day is, what's going on, what's new in your family, how's your son's baseball league going, did you go, did you make it in time to your daughter's dance recital, showing that you actually care about their personal life outside of just the, you know, the KPIs that you're hitting them across the forehead with, but showing that, and he said, our referral exploded the referrals for new employees exploded because people wanted to talk and wear a badge of honor of who they work for and i think a lot of companies have kind of gotten away from that because we're so growth oriented we're forgetting that the a players are the ones that actually drive the growth for us so one of the one of the most important ways if you've got a business that's 10 to 25 employees focus on your core employees now find out who they are as individuals ask for referrals, get in the weeds with them. If you're kind of a little bit smaller than that and you're always striking out, finding the good people, look at those unconventional locations to post jobs. Now, I'm going to say something that, that might burn a bridge here for me, but you know, I own a job board. I own a recruiting software. Stop using those platforms if you're having a hard time with them. Go to your local churches and, and I use that plurally. Don't just go to your church. Go to other churches in your community and say, listen, we're a community organization. We want to support the community. Who do you know that is a great person, great soft skills, and maybe they've struck out a couple times in life, but they're ready to commit and grow their organization? You know what that's going to do at the church? It's going to say, that's a great company. And they're going to be, you're going to be top of mind when they see somebody that A, needs your product or service, but B, might be a good referral fit. Mm, and then and then you got to get out into the community colleges, the local trade schools, get involved, go volunteer, go mentor, go be kind of create a, a soft apprenticeship in your organization. You'd be amazed at how many people want to come in and mentor at great companies. And guess who controls the direction where your best candidates go? Well, the career counselors, the career coaches, 
the, the people volunteering and working inside these schools, they tend to guide the best people to the best companies. Go show off, make yourself known as the best company, and you're going to get a pipeline of great people coming in. Man, there's so much to cover there. So I, I guess point number one, if you're just uh, mean and rude and grumpy, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> you got to actually, yeah. love, you got to love people. They're not just human capital. They're not just human resources. They're human beings. And, you know, it's just a core tenet of humanity is the need for belonging and all that stuff. And hey, if you're listening and you think it sounds woo woo and cheesy, um, well, that's fine. You're just wrong. People want this stuff. We did this years ago in my company. Um, I don't know. I, I was kind of like ahead of the curve a little bit, but my wife and I have always deeply cared for our, our team members. We pray for them. We have their names in secret spreadsheets where we put their spouse's name and their dog's name. And we would data mine our own staff. What's their favorite hobby? What's their favorite color? And we would, we would do this, this, this system that we call planned randomness. You know, every 90 days we would, you know, do something for all of our staff that felt random to them, but was personalized. We'd write them a handwritten note. We'd give them a call after hours and tell them they're doing a great job. We'd give them movie tickets. We'd do something to pat them on the back and give them an attaboy. And uh, it was insane. Uh, the, the result it had, and it's just a better way to live your life anyway. One yeah. of the best parts of being a small business owner is mentoring young people and helping them become better men and women, right? Wouldn't you agree? You feel like an island as an entrepreneur sometimes. Like you, you really feel isolated. You feel like it's you against the world. And if and and I've been there and I and I'm saying that from experience. But when you can turn the corner and create a service oriented leadership structure, that island creates many causeways to where you can just open it up. And it doesn't mean you have to be besties with everybody at your company. There's a difference. There's a difference between loving them and liking them. And there's a lot of times where I don't like some of my employees, but you better believe I love them and I care for them. And they know that. And there's a, you need to know the difference. And, well, we, and we, when, explain, explain what you mean there. I just want to stop you. What, do you, what yeah. would be the difference between liking and loving? And then, you know, just kind of ex expound on that a little bit if you could. Well, I mean, I, I'm a very religious person myself, Josh. And I, I know that, as you mentioned, you kind of praying for them. That's, that's out of love. It's out of deep admiration and concern and care for their well-being. There's, there's something deeper there. And when you can get to that place, there, there's a sense of unity there and, and, and commitment. But sometimes I'm not going to like them because they're being a little bit of a knucklehead. And you're going to have to say, all right, listen, pull your horns in, pal. Let's go talk for a minute. Let's, let's not you know, keep, keep throwing rocks in the glass house here. Here's what we're going to do. And we're going to teach them and we're going to use our ability to coach and teach with love and compassion to create and lower down. We're going to lower the barriers and, and, and create a deeper connection. And when you can do that effectively, you create an extremely loyal employment base. I don't they'll, they'll, they'll move mountains for you. Yes, they'll go to war. I always say they'll go to war for you. They, they, yeah, it, it does some major powerful stuff. I agree with you, but just to play devil's advocate here, um, you know, what, how do you balance, you know, Mr. Warm Fuzzy Entrepreneur CEO Boss Guy with holding people accountable? You know, and, and what do you do if there's real conflict and you got to make the real hard decisions? I mean, on the one hand, I could I could feel objectors sinking in their head as they listen to this, thinking, oh, that's nice. You guys give yourself a group hug, you know, but that's not the real world. And what would you say to that? 
can I tell you that was the that was the turning point for my my career was knowing how to make this turn and I'll make it very clear you as the boss as the employer as the entrepreneur are not the bad guy for their failures but you have to be willing to get in the trenches and hold them accountable and you do that primarily with scorecards and clear objectives when you can clearly define what is good equally as what is bad and you're playing within those boundaries now you know where to where to push them to the next level and when they cross out of the boundaries to the upside there's there's reward and benefit when they cross those boundaries to the bad side there's consequences to that and having those clear and direct conversations about here's our lane together and here's where I'd like to see you go do you have any problem with that do you see any reason why that couldn't happen and you work with them through that and then when they start following out falling out of that lane the conversation just comes back here's the lane we talked about you're outside of the lane what's going on is this a position that's right for you yeah man that's good i think you're hitting the nail on the head i, I i'm a quote maniac i love quotes <laughs> but the two that are coming to mind is you know the biggest illusion of communication is that it has occurred right or let's just stick with that quote for now. But like, you know, all conflict is basically the result of unmet expectations, whether it's your marriage or with your kids. It's like, yeah, I think, I think that's the key, isn't it? Is, is messaging clear rails, put building fences and rails and defining lanes and clearly articulating um, expectations and things like that. And I, I think that's where the ball's dropped a lot of times because, you know, you can't know all this stuff day one in your business. Like you learn how to define the lane by, having horrible things happen for three or four or five years and then you like keep refining it. <laughs> so yeah. some level of pain involved while you're going through the journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there, you know, I've got a great friend that that's an electrician. He's got a bunch of team techs and he found out that he's got an employee that's always kind of at four thirty in the afternoon, really struggling to hit his goals. And, and he seems to be leaving a little bit early his first instinct could be like, I'm going to can this guy, get him out of my team, get him out of my office. And I need somebody that's willing to work till six. We, we've got a lot of workload to do. But instead, he took the hard approach and he said, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to find out what's going on. So we sat down with him and he said, listen, here's, here's where our key objectives were. Here's exactly the results you aim to achieve and you're missing them. Help me understand why that is. And he goes on to explain, oh, I've got a special needs daughter. She's really been struggling with this tutor. I've been called out several times. So I have to go help her or go pick her up. And she's really struggling. Oh, wow. That, that's a whole nother angle. There, there's, some, there's some conflict in his personal life that's impacting his job. So in asking, how could, we, how could we create some resolution together so you can win-win in this environment? He said, well, honestly, I'd be happy to work weekends or even some super early morning shifts. Well, good, because my friend needed a weekend shift operator to pick up some extra hours. So now this guy can end his shift at 3.30 every day and then pick up a few hours on the weekend shifts uh, to kind of get to a full capacity here. And it's all because he asked the right question. He didn't attack them and he didn't immediately cut them. He, he, he demonstrated some love and compassion, but with the understanding that there was violation of the lanes. There was, there was rules and alignment and this person passed outside of it but he, he came to that conclusion, he came to that conversation because he loved the, 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 the individual.
I love it. That's that's awesome. Just hyper communication, super clear, clear. There's this TV show back in the day called Super Nanny. Do you, did you ever watch that? If you have, kids? oh my gosh, yes, totally. So Super Nanny. The lady's name was Joe something, and she was such a boss at taking like the worst nightmare kids you've ever seen in your life and getting them to just be like compliant. And she, her system, the way she did it, she had this thing called the the naughty chart, I think, or. Maybe it was the naughty spot. Yeah, it's the naughty spot that you put the kid when they're being bad. But she had this chart, right? Like the first thing she did was define the rules of the game, draw the lines on the basketball court, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, if you say the F word, little six-year-old Tommy, uh, who's probably a redhead. I don't know, little redheaded kids. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, Then this happens. Here's the consequence. If you do this, then this consequence happens. It was like super clear. She wasn't mad. She never would like raise her voice. It's just like logic. Two plus two equals four. And so she'd do that, and then when it came time to, you know, have that awkward conversation, you're, it's not you versus them. It's, it's you referencing the chart. It's you pointing and saying, hey, man, um, remember, like, the chart? Remember line three? Like, you, we're going to do this? Yeah, that's not, ha- that's not working. You know, let's talk about it. And it kind of puts you on the same side of the table as the employee instead of on the opposite side, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Let the scorecard be the bad cop. You be a facilitator to help them get to the achievable spot or the facilitator to say, this isn't the right fit. And you need to be a winning environment. This isn't winning. The winning environment might be with someone else. Yeah, that's really good. Talk to me a little bit about these these culture landing pages. What What is that? I have an idea, but explain it to us and why they're important and what constitutes a good culture landing page. You know, we had a concept back when we were running our job board that said if the typical job description is 300 words and a picture is worth a thousand words, what if we dropped an image at the top of the job description to kind of visualize what the team looked like or a work-life balance? And the conversion rate of applicants went up by double. Like It, it doubled the amount. Your average conversion rate is between 5 to 7%. One in 20 one in 15 candidates that see your job description will apply to your job. Well, that rate doubled as soon as you added in an image. The, the light bulb went off and said, well, if an image could have that big of an impact, what if we had a short video clip that was like a selfie mode, nothing over the top, you know, elaborate or cut and edited and production value with lighting, just a selfie video saying, hey, you know, my name's Ryan. I run this company. I've run it for this many years. Tell you what, I'm looking for great people to join me because I believe in empowering teammates that we can all achieve success. If that sounds like you, I'd love for you to apply. You know, just a little clip. You know, you know what I'm about. it exploded. It's genius. And, you know, show up rates are a huge problem too, right? So you get applicants. Mm-hmm. And then you schedule an interview and they don't show up. Very, very, very common. A high percentage of people don't show up. And I think as business owners, our gut is to is to take the low-hanging fruit excuse route and say, oh, millennials, nah, they never show up to job. Like we want to just like dismiss these people as idiots or something. And some of them probably are for sure. But I think when you show them, you know, what your company is like, what you're like, you give them a tour of the shop, you, you have a couple things, it, it almost like brings their guard down. I, I bet, and maybe you have data on this, but I bet it would increase the show up, right? I think people just get nervous. They get freaked out. You know, getting hired is, 
is an anxiety filled process for people. You know, it's like, it's, it's a big commitment. And so they panic. What are your thoughts on that? Well, your average job seeker applies to seven jobs per session. So you think after a week of applying to jobs, they've applied to 30 to 50 jobs um, in, in that week. You think that they're going to remember you when you call them and you say, hey, we'd like to schedule an interview with you. We liked your resume. Come on in. They're like, who's this? Oh, oh, you know, sunny heating air. I don't know who you are, but sure. Yeah. Next Tuesday at 10 o'clock. It sounds good. There's nothing concrete about that. But the second they watch a culture video and they see how much fun and they, they remember the face, the eyes, the smile, the, the office environment, the team, and you say, hey, I'm calling from sunny air heating air. Oh my gosh, your video was hilarious. That guy that was shooting Dr. Pepper in the background, like that blew my mind. That was hilarious. What time? Tuesday 10. I will be there at 945. Like that, there's such a difference when you even call them when you pick up the phone and schedule the interview, they remember who you are. And that's what you're trying to do. We tell job seekers, your resume is to get you an interview. Well, guess what? Your job description is the employers. Your job description is to get them to remember you when you call to invite them in for an interview. Man, and that's good you, stuff. you need to think through that. Yeah, I think I think there's just a lot of. To be honest, I, I just think we're being lazy, and not that we're lazy people. I just think business owners, we had it good for a long time, and it almost gave business owners an entitlement mentality where it's like, you know, you post an ad, you interview people, and it's just their privilege to come work for us, and not like we're evil people, but we kind of fall into that kind of thinking, right? Like we're entitled to labor, we're entitled to people to work for us. The rules are different now. It's really freaking hard. And so you're, people are being squeezed and forced to become better marketers uh, with recruiting, to, to, to pay more money, to have more time dedicated to it, to refine their process, to look at the way they interview, to look at all the way, all the steps, all the things, all the things you're talking about, like they merit attention because you cannot have what you want if you want to scale your business without figuring this out. It's, it's too hard. And I'm telling you, authentically I'm working with 20 businesses right now through the automate or conquer program. It's hard right now. And so I hope everybody's kind of really listening to this and not in just a passive way, but in a, uh, here's my checklist of things I'm going to implement when I get back to my office type of way. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And let me just share one piece of nugget. And we have some free resources on our website. If people want to check out that kind of guide them through exactly how to write the perfect job description but let me tell you, when you create a job description that is 100% based on what you are going to do for me as the employer, you lost them. But when you can have an opening paragraph that says, here's how we win together as a team, and guess what? I'm going to hold you responsible. There's accountability at our company. If you don't like accountability, please do not continue reading this job description. You clearly define that. Guess who's going to apply to the job? A players, because A players love accountability they love structure and they want to be in a winning environment. C players are the quickest way to drive A players out of your organization. They, they're the ones that want to float just under the radar. They want to do an adequate job and they want to get off right at 501 and they want to be home as quickly as possible and do whatever they're going to do. The A players are going to put in the extra mile. They're going to focus on your customer base. And there's a direct correlation. The better the employees, the more revenue you're going to have as a company. There's a direct correlation. 
But when business owners can actually concentrate and say, let's build a job posting and a process in place that treats people as a cornerstone of my business, things, things can just completely transform. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think it's huge. So t- tell us what your software actually does. We haven't even covered that. It's called Viva HR, right? Viva HR. What, what's the purpose of it? How does it work? How big of a company should you be to use it? What are all the features and the bells and whistles and the shiny things? What, what does it do for people? Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm not, you know what, being the owner of it, I'm actually not the best sales rep of my own software. It's pretty simple though. It's, it's the concepts that, that I took from running that big job board that introduced kind of company culture and said, how do we create an automated job posting experience? So you're not having to rely on the Craigslist postings and, you know, the classified areas. Instead, you can post a professional job description with one click. It'll post it out to 50 to 100 different job sites. So knowing that that data point that I shared earlier, your average candidate applies to seven jobs at a time. You don't need need to pay to be the number one location on Indeed.com. You don't need to. You could be positioned four, five, six, seven, and you're still going to get the same applicant. But when you do that and you use a culture profile and you have a great job description, it doesn't matter if you're one or you're number six, they're going to remember you because you did something completely different than everyone else did do. So our, our system lets you put in the job information. Uh, if you have videos, if you have photos, it's a drag and drop situation. You put them in, you hit post and it automatically publishes it out to all the different job sites. So our, our, understanding is home service contractors a lot of them are still doing the hiring themselves or they've got an office person that's helping them and assisting them we wanted to make it super easy so you can create templates you can create structure and it you're hiring the same technician over and over again and there's probably only four or five main roles of a company that you're going to be hiring for so you create templates you create pipelines and structures and then when you're ready to hire again hit a button and it goes it's already built, ready, to, ready to happen. I love it. And so, does does it um, basically post these to all the major job boards out there, kind of all in one click? That's right. Yeah, your big ones, your Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Glassdoor, even LinkedIn, and you get into the organic visibility of of all these job sites. Uh, interesting note: you know, a lot of the big, you know, in Google for Jobs is becoming the number one source to refer, you know, job. Everyone Google's everything. I mean. You search for an HVAC job in Phoenix, the first the first half of the page is Google results of Google recommending which jobs you should apply to. So we our software gets you in the mix and we help you optimize it to get as high as possible. Wow. Yeah, Google's basically taking over the world between <laughs> Amazon and Apple and like a handful of companies. It's kind of terrifying, but it is what it is. And we want to position ourselves to capitalize on it. And I can tell you 98% of small business owners are not thinking about this stuff. They're not, they're asleep at the wheel. They're feeling bad for themselves. They're being a victim. They're like, boo hoo, this happened. Coronavirus happened. Boo hoo. Millennials don't want to work. If you take this seriously, you could be ahead of the curve for years before people catch up. So I, I still feel like, 
the opportunity is ripe, you know, getting better at copywriting, understanding how to, you know, the positioning of your offer, like you talked about having a culture landing page that just shows off how awesome you are and how much you care for people, loving people instead of being a mean dictator. <laughs> uh, all those things are, are really amazing. So what kind of closing thoughts do you have or, or other things you want to say as we get ready to land the plane? You know, I think understanding the psychology that we are, um, kind of the average of our five closest friends. If you've got a bunch of A players in your organization, go find out who they hang out with. Get them, find ways to entice them to share that content, share your job openings, your growth, your company story, to their social profiles. Um, there's a lot of value in doing that. Um, you know, like I said before, I, I own a job board company, a, a job automation software. But a lot of times those best hires are the referrals. And I highly recommend thinking about that human side of it. What is it going to take to get better people into my organization to allow me to scale and grow? And I think that goes a long ways when you can just take a step back and, and work through it. And, it, you know, we, we have these conversations with all of our clients. If anybody kind of listening to this wants to engage and kind of walk through some ideas, we're always, we're always there to help. Yeah, how do people, do they just go to your website? Do they send you a handwritten letter? Do they use a carrier pigeon? How do they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, you know, we uh, we engage in all the socials. So feel free to hit us up, Viva HR. Um, our website is vivahr.com. And then, again, my name is Ryan Naylor. I'm on all the social media sites, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. If, if I can be a, a direct source as well, I'm happy to do that. No, I'm, I'm happy to have met you. I'm glad Brendan introduced us. Uh, we have similar values. We didn't even get to talk about family systems and all the cool things we talked about in the pre-interview chat that we had. But yeah. I love meeting like-minded entrepreneurs who care about people, um, but still like the game of business. You know, you want to scale a company. You want it to work. It's, 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 our, it's a calling, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a job creator, being a world changer. I think this stuff is so epic. And uh, I know you do as well. So, Ryan, thank you very much for your time, my friend. Everybody go check out VivaHR.com. Uh, I had not heard of Ryan until this last week, and I've been kind of stalking uh, their website and stuff. It's really freaking cool and merits you checking it out for sure. So write it down if you can't do it right now. Do not forget. It could be that extra little thing that puts you over the top and helps give you an unfair advantage. Ryan, thank you very much. Take care. God bless, my, my friend. My pleasure. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.